This is the world of Salesforce and Dropbox, HubSpot and Evernote, a world unthinkable without cloud software services. Most businesses and consumers use SaaS every day to get work done. Driven by the internet and ever-expanding availability of bandwidth, SaaS has come to dominate our lives in a very short span of time. But developing a defining service, often ahead of its time, getting users to engage, secure funding, protect IP, and building a truly remarkable and successful SaaS is not an easy task. SaaS Stories brings conversations with the dreamers and visionaries who dare to think ahead. How they build their SaaS, genesis, struggles, trials, tribulations, and eventually success. Welcome to SaaS Stories. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Welcome to this new exciting episode of SaaS Stories. Today we speak with Raj Set, founder and CEO of Decalab and Flydata. We will discuss his first few startups till Recruiter Box, his biggest learnings, discuss ideas that made growing 300% year-on-year possible, leading finally to getting acquired in a multi-million dollar deal. The initial problem statement was that why can't I find a job uh, that I like not by job title filters but other attributes and characteristics of a company, right? So the starting point was I can't do that on Indeed. So how can... Uh, I become a place where, you know, meaningful job fits are found, which funnily later morphed into, hey, what is the first place a company creates a job uh, on the internet? And that's the applicant tracking software. Funnily, we didn't know what applicant tracking software was, but at the time there was a customer in Bangalore called, you know, Levi's who said that, hey, can you make this for us? So, in some sense, it was a very iterative product. Raj Set is a serial entrepreneur selling his first food delivery business when he was 20. His next two startups failed, but the failures led him to Recruiter Box, which he grew to a 3,000 plus customer base and 4 million in ARR before exiting and acquiring Flydata. His first-hand experience in global entrepreneurship and team building, B2C and B2B market fit, exits and acquisitions have been useful for a lot of entrepreneurs starting out. He has been featured in New York Times and Washington Post. Now on to this informative and tactical episode with Raj Set. Raj, uh, welcome to SaaS Stories. I'm really very, very happy to get you here and uh, good we connected. Uh, welcome. Thank you for having me here. Thanks. So before we dive in, uh, tell a little bit about yourself so that people who are listening to this get a general orientation of what you've accomplished till now because that's that's really key to the rest of the story that we're going to unfold. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, basically, currently I'm uh, on company four or company five, whichever way you count it, but... Uh, I, about 15, 16 years ago, when I was three years out of college, I started my first uh, company, which was a B2C company, a B2C portal, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which eventually failed. It was sort of a classified site uh, Mm. or a Craigslist for India. You know, Mm. now, uh, I guess uh, a current example would be OLX, and this Mm. was in 2006. I had a second startup that was also a B2C, uh, mm. which was a marketplace for jewelry. And uh, these two uh, were full-time efforts for, you know, I think spanning over five years. Uh, so wow. I would say two years and three years, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, and both of those failed. And then my third attempt was a SaaS product, B2B, called mm. Recruiter Box. And that's the one that stuck. We mm. kind of grew that company uh, over six and a half, seven years to, uh, you know, four million ARR, bootstrapped it the whole way, didn't raise any money, and it was finally acquired by private equity. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it. Mm. And now uh, I'm essentially at it again, and this time uh, we're taking an interesting model. We have actually acquired a product uh, that was at product market fit, you know, mm. under a million in revenue, and we are trying to grow. Uh, 
uh, that business because we really enjoy the one to ten, and uh, we mm. we basically were interested uh, in the space, and it's called Fly Data. Uh, mm. But I'll I'll keep it at that. Like outside of these four, I I also had. Uh, uh, a business uh, when I was in college for two mm. years, which was a website that delivered food from restaurants mm. that didn't deliver. This was, you know, in the U.S. Mm. in Boston. And funnily, in a very small way, I shouldn't call it a company. It was more a student business. Mm. But I ended up selling it for a thousand dollars when I graduated to a fellow student. Seriously. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I've kind of been at this for a while, and uh, I enjoy the adventure. Wonderful. I mean, uh, let's let's dig in. Uh, what were you What were you thinking when you started uh, the OLX kind of exchange? What sort of triggered that? You know, um, like a lot of people, I was in love with the internet. I was fascinated with the internet, and you know, the to be very honest, the childish fantasy was that wow, you know, here's here's a place, here's a domain, here's a website where. I can fill up my own stadium with 10,000 mm. people, right? Like imagine yeah. if we can all have our stadiums and fill them up. Right. And, you know, very truthfully, that was it. And maybe that, maybe that's why it failed. Because I was, uh, as a user, I used to do a lot of things on Craigslist and I, mm. I thought that added so much value and it was so simple. And, I, and this was 2006, by the mm. way. And I was like, wow, you know, like uh, I'm sure like, this this will work you know amazingly well in india uh the the problem later was more like even with transaction happening there wasn't really a revenue model people were not right. like paying to list things mm -hmm. uh but that is what prompted it to answer your question it was like hey you know so as a timeline is 2006 you, you are out of college you came back to india yeah 2003 i was out of college and 2003 okay. to 2006 i worked at emc square which was my right. first and last uh, job. Uh, I, I say last because after that, uh, I you know I didn't get a paycheck uh, okay. from someone else for a long time. So. Right, right, right. So, so 2006, uh, the Craigslist experience in the U.S. sort of stuck in your head, and you thought this could be a disruptor for India. Uh, but India is a different animal. People don't like to pay for stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah. so how did that morph into the jewelry? Did you see a lot of traction in that? Piece? What what was it called, by the way? Uh, the first one, the portal was called 16to60.com. Oh. The idea being that you can get anything here, 16to60.com. Right, right. So, uh, hmm. so yeah, the question was that, was did you see a lot of traction in the jewelry space, which sort of triggered the idea that, oh, why don't I sort of silo it and go focus on this space. Was that the case or was it something else? It was actually something else. Uh, mm -hmm. The problem statement was that I knew a lot of people uh, that were either manufacturing, producing, creating, uh, mm. you know, high-end diamond jewelry. Mm. And to be honest, they had heard of Blue Nile in mm. the US. So mm. they were toying with the fact that, hey, uh, you know, can we can we go direct to consumer? And this right. was also this is 2008. Mm. Can we go direct to consumer? Right. And uh, since I had the supply side of that marketplace figured out, I figured that was worth the attempt. Uh, the challenge with this was that uh, it was super difficult to see it for two reasons. One mm. is that while a lot of transactions, even back then or now, were taking place online, people were not really making. Uh, five thousand, ten thousand dollar transactions, True. or like you know, they were not making one lakh plus rupee transactions online. Right. First of all, right. So that was one challenge, and the other challenge was that uh, what I realized is that if you're doing any storefront, whatever it is, whether it's jewelry mm. or not, marketplace or not, you need a lot of SKUs and a lot of variety. Mm. Like you can't just have, uh, you know, five products or ten products or sixteen products or thirty products. Uh, that won't uh, do it for the consumer, right? Correct. And and, and uh, both of those things, while quickly apparent, were very hard uh, for me to to fix, mm. right? And we were not, while we had some early adopters on the supply side who were right. like, hey, let's put you know our supply out there. There wasn't a critical mass of them. Right. Uh, because they were just they were entrenched and committed to the channels they were in, whether they were a wholesaler or a retailer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so these are like sort of like early adopters, but they didn't have enough momentum to push it through themselves. Uh, exactly. In terms of the supply exactly. side, I'm saying, yeah, exactly. Okay, and, so, and also hmm. to be honest, this was uh, the, this was always that uh, cute little thing that they wanted to do on the yeah. side. You know, they're mm. like, you know, देखते हैं चलेगा तो चलेगा. Like they have their right. main you know business, and they're like, oh, you know, can this be one two percent of revenue? And it was a catch twenty two because. they are like oh if it works we will hmm. see if it can be a larger piece of the pie but they would not probably make and and it was a classic you know catch 22 sort of a situation where right. like you need more from them to show those early results but they want to see results before giving so at this stage just a quick uh, question is uh were you having a, a a development team already so this is a bunch of people who are working with you from the previous one to this one what was happening there so you know this uh, it was the first one was an outsourced development team which was my biggest mistake and my biggest learning mm. by the way and the second time there there were two people uh, in fact mm. one and a half uh people working on the platform which was not as grave as a mistake as the first one but still a mistake mm. um which is pretty much what what led me to you know uh teaming uh, what i realized it doesn't even matter which b2b b2c whatever my hard hard hit lesson was that the co-founding team has to be well rounded Hmm. and it cannot be just me that was like actually my number one lesson from from all those escapades hmm so so now we are already in like 2010 11 2010 yeah. 2010 so this is when you decided okay this this marketplace is not going to work i need to move on how, how did you now arrive at recruiter box i mean it's as far diamond to recruitment i mean it's it's diamonds in a way but <laughs> uh, but uh, how did you reach there so um you know what happened is i had the again even those these two startups or attempts or failures whatever you want to call them they were not funded uh, mm. they were not funded or they were not mm. funded affairs right so mm. it, uh, it was a little bit of a scrappy execution so mm. by this point i was on fumes right i was running mm. on fumes um uh, a common friend of mine in bangalore introduced me to ragu and girish uh, which had mm. also they had also left their jobs like a couple of mm. years ago and uh, they both uh, were iit chennai graduates they mm. both were engineers one was focused on you know front end and product the other one was on back end um mm. and essentially they had uh, thought of two products actually they had thought of recruiter box mm. and the problem statement was uh, the initial problem statement was that why can't i find a job uh that i like not by job title filters but other attributes and characteristics of a company right so the starting mm. point was i can't do that on indeed so how can uh, i become a place where you know meaningful job fits are found which funnily later morphed into hey what is the first place a company creates a job uh on the internet and that's the applicant tracking software funnily we didn't know what applicant tracking software was but mm. at the time there was a customer in bangalore called you know levis who said mm. that hey can you make this for us so in some sense it was a very iterative product like there was only a candidate box which was mm. better than gmail mm. so you can actually process things but anyway coming back to the story i kind of uh, met ragu and girish where uh, they they had sort of the the early recruiter box germination was there uh the thought was that the product was there but they uh while they were building it they basically uh, were looking for a third founder and i was looking to team with uh you know a team of engineering co-founders to build the next thing and that's how it came about to be honest so we we hit it off we really got along and then uh Uh, we we decided to do recruiter box and then there were many iterations we decided mm. it should be only saas only focused on the us uh, mm. we put it on you know google apps marketplace and chrome web store and then started marketing it we then even further uh, mm. uh, back then i'd come to san francisco we applied to yc we didn't mm. know 
whether we should raise funds, not raise funds. We thought, oh, everybody raises funds. You have to raise funds. Otherwise, how will you do ads to get customers and all of that? So we, we figured it out one step at a time. But the one noteworthy thing throughout that was we always made revenue every month and kept making little more revenue every single month, which is how it became a real business, hmm. you know, come come to, uh, come 2012. So, so how did you make this revenue every month? I mean, you had an idea, you are iterative in a mode, uh, which is iterative. You had one customer in, in Bangalore who sort of pointed you towards, uh, hey, will you make something? So were you going to companies at this point first to make money or were you uh, going to the candidates? How, how did you, how did the model work? Only to companies, this was only a, a, a software used by and paid for by the uh, uh, recruiting team, the HR team, the hiring manager, because that's what the product ended up focusing on. And to answer your question, even in the early stage of the product, like when there was three, four, five, six months of development done, we had seven online customers paying every month and four offline customers in India. Many of the seven online customers had come from Google, Google Apps Marketplace and Chrome Web Store. So we, we put the product up online anyway, even though we kept working on the product. And okay. that's what told us that, Are, there's something here. By the way, we didn't even have anything like Stripe hooked hmm. up back then. We didn't even have a US entity. So we used to sell a, send a PayPal link every month by email that please pay your uh, invoice, please pay your invoice. And they were still paying. Hmm. There was no automatic recurring billing. So that right. is uh, that is a lot of validation. And that's right. what gave us uh, wind in our sails to continue. So, so even so, before we came here, uh, here hmm. or did anything, there were seven uh, online paying customers, what we call online acquired and hmm. four offline customers in India. And how much were they paying on an average? $100 a month each. Okay. Okay, that's still thousand dollars. Yeah, which is not exactly. which yeah. is not something to scoff at. Yeah. yeah. So so why did you decide to put it in the Google? I mean, it's a SaaS. How do you put it put it in the Google Apps uh, Store? I don't hear many people exploring that option. No, they have they have changed that. They have okay. changed that now. It's not what we look at Google Suites and Google hmm. Apps now, which are Google's own app. Google had a thing called Google Apps Marketplace. Funnily, okay. I don't even know if it's there anymore, but I know it's not in its current form. Hmm. And this is not a Google synced API app or anything. It right. was literally a directory where we could put our listing and it ah. linked out to our site, recruiterbox.com. Got it. Uh, so, and there was no uh, Chrome plugins back then. So right. again, this is 2011, 2012. Right. Uh, so it's, it's easy to, uh, it's hard to remember now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but we just, we put it there and, you know, many people have asked me that question that what Google App Marketplace you're talking about and now I realize that, oh, now we don't yeah. use that anymore. There's no right, discovery right, there. Right, right. So, so what happened next? So how did you decide because North America was your focus, focus you decided to relocate to San Francisco? That was a little later. So first okay. what we did is, uh, to be honest, we did a lot of online marketing, SEO work, content mm. blog. Uh, uh, early in the life cycle for a year or so, there was no paid ads. Mm. I think for a year. Then a year later, we actually started uh, mm. we, we, we put a little bit of a push on paid ads. Mm. Uh, but most of uh, what we did in two years from mid-2011 to mid-2013 mm. was a lot of SEO content content work. And to be honest, end of 2012, early 2013, the SEO paid off in a big way. Mm. So, excuse me, we basically, if you typed in back then recruiting software, recruitment software, applicant tracking system, we were the second or third organic result and there were 700 competitors. Wow. So by the way, we didn't even know because we were building the product thinking, oh, we are replacing email and Excel. A lot of small companies are using that email address that send hmm. me your resume and careers at thisthing.com or jobs hmm. at thisthing.com. That was the problem we were solving. And hmm. then we realized that, oh, there is a whole category here. There are enterprise players like Talio. So mm. funnily, our ignorance worked in our favor because even mm. the product we made was not like a copy of anything. We were like, what makes most sense for a small company not to learn a software and any manager to be able to push feedback into the system? So 
what we realized is those other softwares were built for process whereas mm. we were built for productivity mm. that actually let's make a good hiring decision right right, right. Uh, it's a different thing that later i think you heard in that session mm. we mm. we uh, we we learned as we went and we realized that oh we are not playing in as big of a market that we thought we were and hmm. uh, we back then we were not scoffing at the 100 dollars per month by the way we were sure. we were elated we thought it was like amazing that people are paying this money to us online completely hmm. without talking to us uh, but but yes so we the, the to answer your question seo uh, came in a big way and helped us to triple revenue like 2012 i remember we did 100k uh 2013 we did 300k so we doubled mm. annual 2014 we did a million so we again tripled so uh 100k 300k million we tripled 2014 uh is when i came uh to the us okay. uh, mid to uh, early early to mid 2014 mm. and uh, this is when we were like hey what do we we have this little business but what do we do to kind of go slightly mid market and Hmm. that's when that whole exercise started so so how big was your team by this time yeah so we were we were you know because two thirds of the founding team were also engineers so we were a very product engineering uh, heavy company and that's hmm. what we believed in that hey uh, we we got to build all these features we were hmm. getting all this feedback from the funnel so we were exactly i'll tell you 13 people in 2014 if yeah we were about 13 to 16 people at a million dollars in revenue wow. uh, mostly in bangalore mostly and, in bangalore and two third of these were in the product side in the building side yeah yeah more than two third and two thirds mm. were yeah and mm. uh, i think three four people were customer support ah okay uh, sdr sales mm. uh, but because our funnel was so uh, inbound it was mostly engineers okay so so at this point how much were they paying annually obviously it's not 1200 dollars anymore or was it it still was it still we was. tried our best to uh, push that up the huh. bread and butter even at a million dollar mix the bread and butter was the 100 dollar business like we i i try we tried this we tried this that i can tell you but the the bulk of it was 100 dollar per month business okay so so you had a thousand customers by this time which means to just to make that math right yeah. and and they were all so let's go back to this seo bit that you did which obviously was your initial engine which drove your inbound so yeah. who was producing this content how much were you producing where all were you publishing this what were you doing actually we were producing it so i'll tell you and and we went through some cycles mm. uh, of this over 3 years so mm. we did a lot of it in house mm. we also had a content agency so first we started with doing in house we had a content agency for a whole year year and a half mm. uh two years i want to say we had a seo and content agency in the us right mm. and then we had in house content writers Mm. Uh, throughout the remainder of the company by the way mm. uh, so we uh, and then we also i i kind of did a lot of guest posts um, mm. i also used to do like a fair bit of writing but we did a lot of guest posts to get links from other sites coming to recruiter mm. box uh, backlinks and yeah. our own a uh, content team used to do uh, then lot of uh, the posts on the recruiter box blog right which mm. which sort of then continued for the remainder in fact we had when we sold in end of 2017 we had uh, i want we had a ball, we had three people two to three people on just doing marketing content okay okay and were you were this all sort of like text based or did you start doing some videos and stuff like that you know mostly text okay. we we didn't do that much video back then um yeah we didn't do that much video back then so if you compare your current uh, current business do you think that those uh, that kind of an approach will work still because obviously there's a lot more content out there today ranking is not that easy anymore so 2011 12 when you are starting you know getting to the second listing on organically uh, is a big deal i mean whether we <laughs> recognize that or not but today it's it's not so so simple right uh you know you know yes and no and okay. yes and no because i'll i'll tell you why i'm saying that i'll give you a real example um hmm. 
I think it actually depends on the search volume. So now mm. my problem is, see, uh, if you look at uh, recruiter box and the applicant tracks of recruiting software, and even if you look at a fresh desk, these are categories with a few thousand monthly searches. Mm. Okay, and I think you can part one can participate there. So I'll quickly give a SEO story here, which mm. even now that I've done it a second time, I understand that it wasn't an accident. Mm. I was. I'll be very honest with you. I was always a little confused about actually kaise hua. Because anybody that sell you, I'll tell you how SEO works is lying because nobody knows. I even people at Google may not know. Only five people there may know. But yeah. the point is, um, right now I do know because if you type in my you, and anybody can do this in your audience also. If you type in my SQL to Redshift or hmm. Postgre to Redshift. I just put out blogs now, two mm. months ago in 2021 for Fly mm. Data, mm. and they are at the top. Okay, mm. so so the why I'm saying yes and no is there there are still if there are still ways of getting things to rank on top. It's actually gotten super sophisticated. I actually use this editor that tells me if what I have written is deep enough to get a A plus 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 score. Mm. and i think in 2 to 3 months that post will rank mm. but the real question is if you ask me ke acha you ranked for my sequel to redshift or what 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 do you really get out of that like what's your conversion what's the traffic like mm. uh, it's a very high intent but it's a low traffic mm. uh, situation mm. so so you're right that if 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 you are in a high traffic competitive situation it may not be that great but i feel that always long tail opportunities with seo like if mm. it's okay if high intent matters more even if it's low yeah. volume it's okay if you have to do 200 high intent things yeah yeah i totally agree in fact i was doing a series on b2b sales conversion problem uh, for another show that i do and essentially it's boiling down to are you getting hundreds of thousands of people inside your funnel on the top who actually are not your buyers i mean you are just spending exactly. a hell of a lot of time with exactly. people who had no intention of buying they're just there they're just spectators you know uh, they just yeah. got into the funnel somehow you are you push them into the funnel somehow and it yeah, yeah it, it it totally makes sense it's time for a short break i was trying to sum up the seo strategy raj was talking about and summarized if going after a low volume high intent prospect base is the key raj has a counter intuitive point to that thought stay with us You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast dot in. That is bpn at b i z c a s t dot i n. Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for SaaS Stories and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer seller engagement platform. Right before the break, I asked Raj if targeting low volume, high intent prospects are enough to move the needle. Raj doesn't think so. Listen in. The way to rank is to f- go into the long tail and get those twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, or hundred people who are looking at uh, your domain, but with but with higher intent, right? Correct. Uh, in the same breath, I will also hmm. say that that may not move the dial. Uh, hmm. Again, this is on a case by case basis. Depends on. what people are solving for mm. what those 20 30 40 things are mm. uh, is it a 100000 dollar product is it, is it a 5000 dollar product yeah. right because i've also learned one other thing i would add which i didn't know in recruiter box that see many things are a search and discovery product whereas mm. some things are a trust and referral kind of a buy mm. it doesn't matter how much it gets discovered right so like mm-hmm. i i feel Recruit a box at a hundred dollars a month was a search and discovery kind of product, and obviously mm. you put put in all sorts of validations and reviews and mm. uh, you know certifications and partnerships, and now you have G two rankings. Mm. You need that absolutely. You need that at both ends. Mm. 
But then some sometimes things are trust and referral kind of products, and there I think you want your content ranking, not mm. your key that I make this software and my homepage should rank. No, like a lot of tutorials about how somebody thinks about the entire problem that should rank, because mm. then your your thought leadership is sort of out. Then then you can run retargeting on those blogs, right? So right. in fact, it's better that somebody is finding. Uh, value in your blog. I, I always say your content should also be a prod, your a product, mm. and that's why there's so much shitty content out there. Like we we all literally need to think like a media company, even yeah. if even though what we make is software, you literally mm. need to think like a media company, and uh, and even go beyond because then you need to also add uh, value. So you are a mm. <laughs> media and an ed tech company if you're doing right. like a blog. And then you can run a whole bunch of retargeting on that. Right, right. So, so go back to that one million dollar. We are now in twenty fourteen. You have done a one million dollar. You have gone to San Francisco uh, to to understand how to expand the market and and so on and so forth. Although you had a great track record up up to this point, you are triple, 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 right? So, so now, now. Uh, so what what happened next? You you are in San Francisco. What were you trying to do? You mentioned YC in between. When was this? No, that that was 2011. We briefly okay. came here for YC, okay. uh, and we didn't get in. Hmm. Uh, honest, so we were shortlisted hmm. for the interview. That's why uh, hmm. we were there. We didn't get in, uh, so we kind of went back. Hmm. Uh, you know, we looked at a few different things. Uh, but now to answer your question, uh, basically what happened is we tried doing outbound sales, and in that first year, we we mucked it all up. Actually, uh, that's the truth. And 2015, we added we doubled to two million. Now, funnily, some if you if you think about it, uh, we went from 300k to a million, so we added 700k new, and then million to two million. So we still grew a little faster of that right. larger base. We went to two million. However, again, uh, we we did a lot of. Uh, forking of the funnel during that time till the end of mm. 2015 to be honest um, mm. so we were like what where should we take these 100 dollar customers where should we take these 500 dollar customers now only let's get on a call with people doing 500 mm. dollars or like 6000 dollars a year right. and we got some of those customers and uh, their composition increased a little bit but honestly we again that 100 dollar business was because it was coming in it was happening yeah. to us Right, uh, and right. then there was also churn. Uh, so off mm. that, you know, larger base, th there was churn happening on mm. that hundred dollar business, right? And then mm. we made a few mistakes. Uh, we couldn't figure out how to do, you know, sales, etc. Mm. We made a few mistakes till the end of 2015, and then uh, we sort of figured out how to hire a good SDR remote team here in the US. Mm. So I had seven people in the US. None of them were in San Francisco. They were in Denver, Boston, all these other places. Mm. And we actually got a little better at that, but not um, not enough because other on the other side, what was happening is we realized that bloody there is this thing called positioning, mm. and we were positioned as a your you know easy tool, your first recruiting mm. software, hire with your hiring manager, etc., mm. etc., and. There we were seeing companies like Greenhouse or Lever. I don't know if you heard of them, but no. Greenhouse suddenly took a lot of business from Job White. Like they were like bigger because Greenhouse said started saying data-driven recruiting, data-driven recruiting means the same product, hmm. and probably they were developing functionality faster. But the marketing spin on it was data-driven recruiting, data-driven recruiting. So. They went in through all the VCs and captured that mindshare. So if you actually, uh, people were paying them like 10 to 50k per year, you know, because that. So so then we realized that man, marketing and positioning is everything. Like you mm. can take the same thing and you can sell it for you know 10 mm. times more. Mm. Um, and 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 we were also not doing employee-based pricing because we are like, this is not payroll software. Mm. Like how do I or this is not a Team communication channel. So, if out of 50 people, five people are logging in, how do I charge you for 50 people? But right. see, this was all lessons because Greenhouse was still doing it. They were not mm. doing it per user, but they are like, oh, for a thousand person company, the price is you know 50, 60 thousand dollars, mm. etc. So, you know, very honestly, we didn't know how to do all this. Mm. Um, mm. You know, so yeah, sorry, go on. No, 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 no problem. So, so this, 
you really didn't have any cost of acquisition because people were coming purely because they knew and 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 through the content and whatever ranking that you were doing right yeah now now what happened is we uh, were able to then get to some cost of acquisition when we started mm. spending on ads because mm. as you can imagine once we were making even a million uh, mm. once we hit a million we were always spending on ads to mm. be honest right and when we were making 2 million we were spending 30k on ads because out of 160k that was like 20% of marketing mm. uh, budget we were spending on ads and you know ancillary things around mm. there so yes we did have a cost of acquisition but you know funnily <laughs> we uh, see for a it it's great to not have a cac but if you are then going to raise funds it's almost better to have a cac and show hmm. uh, the equation because right. uh, people are always scared of something they can't compute or yeah. calculate yeah yeah uh, so all this were lessons later like hmm. uh, but if you are running a you know uh, a common sense business that let's not spend 10 bucks to make 5 bucks hmm. uh, then it was amazing yes right 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 <laughs> so so now you are at 2 million and and you are still having the maximum number which are still paying you like a thousand dollars a year what 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 moved the needle to four what what happened next so 2016 we went to 3 million see the other and i'll i'll what moved the needle i'll tell you but you, you can pretty much uh, you can pretty much guess that the same growth rate was happening but the composition was changing hmm. but the bigger point there was that um, See you know what we realized end of 15 also was um that my co-founder Girish always had this uh, vision that uh you know applicant tracking software was not it that was not the billion dollar company like there was a bigger problem to be had in recruiting okay mm. and to be honest since we were not such a funnel led no board meeting no vcs etc mm. we had the luxury of uh, we had the luxury of basically doing experiments and doing r&d right hmm. so so while ragu and i ran recruiter box girish peeled off to try this other thing which we thought was going to be the future correct hmm. Hmm. and and we were all pretty excited about it and we knew it was a long shot but we were okay giving it a shot because we were like it's okay now we'll figure out how to get this to 2 3 4 5 10 million but this mm. other thing is what is the future of the company right and mm. we were mm. we were willing to roll the dice on that pivot mm. Mm. and when honestly when mid 17 we decided that we didn't know where that was going after after a good 18 months okay. a good 18 21 4 months on that pivot that's when i think we emotion so we uh, again i'm sure all three of us will have a slightly different version of this mm. story mm. but we i think we all emotionally checked out mm. uh or at least uh you know yeah we emotionally checked out so when this private equ- equity offer was there we were like we'll take our chips off the table and uh do do this whole thing right based on a trillion dollars of lessons that we have now <laughs> right. amassed right right so so the question is how much did you sell the company for at that point so we so our growth rate was slowing our churn was high uh, so our uh, sale price was less than 10 okay okay uh, but there was no there was no earn out um, there was no earn out anything it was all cash up front and all three of us walked in a week so okay you walked as multi millionaires which is good which is which is excellent yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know like the uh it's uh yeah yeah i mean it's it's essentially uh the the amazing part is uh, i think it's anything's if you if you look at the boolean between you getting a cash exit and it going to zero it becomes super hard to mm. do one more and like that's the big takeaway for me whereas mm. whatever that exit was allowed us to basically do one more and continue the crazy yeah. adventures yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean that makes it so much more uh so much more bearable right i mean you don't want exactly. to go through the grind once more with complete <laughs> lack of understanding where this is going to head by the way what was that pivot you were working on yeah um so remember 
in is somewhere in the early part of the story i mentioned that uh when we are looking at jobs mm. uh, we are only looking at titles like right product manager right. account executive sales but we don't know how it is like to work at this company mm. so what if what if you could get an internal picture mm. of the culture of this company and what it was like to work at this company right mm. so mm. what girish was experimenting with is can we get um can we get companies to sort of write about their work write mm. about their wins Mm. and put out their work samples out there mm. like maybe in a team form factor etc and um, it it was super interesting it was super fluid what we learned is it was also a big behavior change for people right mm. like and and what we've realized is a uh, ride on something which is an existing behavior of people here it was you know people had to go and actually write something like even right. if even if you make it easy for them in slack or wherever mm. else and then we would accumulate it somewhere so mm. the end result of this is that you as a candidate could come to this page where you're seeing things from inside the company mm. turned around and exposed to the outside world basically mm. Mm. yeah interesting yeah i mean it it is the flip of the glass door actually if you think about it right absolutely exactly which is which is interesting sure. great so tell us about fly data i mean you 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 made a change in your in your in your journey saying okay i will i will go and acquire something which is so i'll not do that iterative business uh, at least in the initial iterative business and i'll go and acquire something which is a million dollar of revenue uh, and and has a product market fit so i skip those four five uh, tedious years and then try to grow it to a 10 20 million business uh, how did you find this guys how did you embark on this uh, path yeah you 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 pretty much uh, gave gave my answer accurately <laughs> right now but you know uh, uh, product market fit is a lot of fun can can be a lot of fun but sometimes it just uh, takes the life out of you and, yeah. and maybe, maybe i'm making this decision based on the experience uh, that i just passed through and i'm like hey mm. let's see if we can build a larger company right then recruit a yeah. box but coming coming back to i think the the process was a lot more fun and interesting so what mm. i did is before right around the time covid was kicking off i was like uh, you know a lot of people might you know i don't know uh, are dependent to keep raising money uh, to do what they're doing mm. and if they have raised a series a raise a series b etc yeah. so i was actually very curious i did a crunch based search mm. on every company in san francisco that had raised 6 million or more 4 years ago or earlier and had never raised a round after that and had mm. team size of 20 or less right right this was my yeah. equation nice mm. and so i i sent out a campaign um you know i do kind of a lot of cold stuff effectively mm. i also i have like a uh, opeka class i can share it if your audience wants sure. to us i i show all my cold emails and mm. what i do in the story and psychology of it or whatever but anyway i wrote to 119 founders and i had a 50% you know reply rate from that and i had 22 calls scheduled in the first two days uh one of them was uh fly data Mm. and you know it raised 9 million dollars was less than a million dollars in revenue uh and by the way all these stories were amazing in a lot of cases i realized i would not be able to do anything like literally mm. there was like a you know like a even though my filter was saas there was like a drone software for agriculture and this and that. i was like mm. you know uh, not a good fit i won't be able to add much value there but when we saw fly data it's not like a new much about infrastructure mm. software either but what i loved about this business is it had super low churn mm. and see again i guess we're all a sum of our life experiences i was coming off of 7 years of being so burnt by churn <laughs> and like so like you know churn was like you know stinging every day right. that i was so enamored by such a low churn business mm. i was like this is like a electricity connection business you mm. cut out all the other expenses in your uh, house the last thing to turn off is electricity Correct. and not just that if you use the ac more the bill is higher yeah so that fly data is that kind of business right right 
So and, and so hmm. and so I made him and he sorry so he had raised a lot of money. They had tried two three products. Hmm. Uh, the money had come and gone. The team had come and gone. The, hmm. the the products had come and gone. This was one product with a loyal customer base, and it was just him, the founder, and two support engineers remote. Hmm. Uh, so two support people and. So yeah, I kind of you know, you know, uh, you know, it was perfect because he wanted to leave and join a Series A startup as you know VP mm. of Engineering and CTO here in San Francisco, and he was like, I just uh, need to resolve this, and so it was a complete win-win, and it was low enough of a risk for me to be mm. honest. It was a small enough of a business that mm. uh, we could learn on as our first acquisition. So so did you sort of uh, do a cash acquisition or you did a cash and uh stock kind of thing what did you do uh we did a three part acquisition we okay. did cash hmm. which was less than 1x of right. annual revenue hmm. and then we uh, we were we were giving him some 10% of revenue for the first two years so one okay. year's over hmm. and uh he also had uh, about 5% of uh, our new company basically okay. if okay. we bought 95% from him okay. so, so so he gets so so it was a combination of all three for him to also feel uh, comfortable sure and and what about i am curious see he had raised 9 million dollars there were vcs how how they did you manage it off. they didn't it off they didn't it off yeah. okay 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 yeah because hmm. we really talking about small numbers like this yeah. is you know it's like you know if, i don't know like when you are at i don't know 700k in revenue and it's a 500k let's say you know purchase price return on cash invested and what are the vcs then care about they put 9 million yeah so like their their lawyers probably cost them more so <laughs> right 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 even so, even this was all new to me by the way right. i didn't know why they would but apparently like he would either shut it down or give them this something etc i guess right so right, it was right. right fair enough so so where, where where do you go from here where is your focus now what are you doing with fly data uh and w- what is the path say the next next uh, 12 24 months so so i'll actually um i'll share some mistakes here also instead mm. of you know uh, making it sound like a hunky dory story mm. uh the the good news is so we so not miss we went into this with our eyes open because the the deal was so low for us that we mm. were prepared that uh we would also have to write it off okay mm, point mm. one so we went into it with eyes open but my 12 months later my lessons are that if you are acquiring something mm. then either product or growth has to already be figured out you shouldn't go in and figure out both correct if you have to figure out both product and growth then it's you are as good as not having product market true true so this is lesson number 1 uh because we had no engineering continuity hmm. there was nobody to continue hmm. <laughs> so he gave us some so our team bless their soul phenomenal end team uh uh we rewrote the whole product hmm. we also rewrote the product because we realized that that infra is kind of old for all the connectors we want to add so not hmm. to go too, too technical but uh, we have a data pipeline product for amazon redshift hmm. but now we also want to have Uh, a snowflake as a destination as mm. a data warehouse so we decided we will have to rewrite it so it took us a large part of the one year to to rewrite it okay uh, good news is we kept adding more customers it is a miracle that without anybody knowing how to change the old code base the whole customer base is happy and the thing <laughs> is running okay, okay. Mm. Uh, so where, where, to answer your question where do you go from here is uh, we are now feeling pretty good about fly data growth in the next one year like we mm. uh, you know we we've added about 20% um, revenue growth in the last one year we did have some churn mm. uh, because people were moving to snowflake from mm. redshift so that's product related churn we want to solve um, and now we're trying to go deeper because this is a very like uh, this ecosystem is connected to a lot of other products in the data stack so mm. uh, while this is not a great channel for most saas products mm. for us partnerships might be good mm. so we're trying mm. to partner with snowflake right now okay okay and and what is your uh, acquisition customer acquisition process now is it is it through again through content or is it through advertising is it through referral w- where is it today 
it's we have exactly three channels we are doing seo hmm. content content seo uh, two sides of the same coin uh we have uh, paid ads google adwords is working hmm. predictably for us you know uh and our our customer acquisition cost is $1500 per paying customer but our average customer pays us about let's say $750 a month so it's a two okay. uh two month uh payback so not too worried about that but also these have a ceiling and my third one is outbound sales hmm. so i have four sdrs in bangalore that are going outbound after like specific segments hmm. so all three uh, of them are plugging along and then sure we have referral but these are the three that we usually keep uh, you know objectives and okrs on okay and this sdr team is working uh, it's like outsourced team or is your own team no 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 own team own team Okay. And and that's working out fine. Yep, it's uh uh so the reason the reason I I I won't be able to evaluate it completely is mm. so it's working out fine because they're adding people into the funnel. Mm. Um mm. but we need some product work to get the conversion to where it needs to be. So we are purposely not being able to target certain people and hopefully right. in a quarter or two we solve that. Interesting, interesting. Okay, great. Uh, are you planning to raise any money? No, only uh, only to buy more companies and buy more revenue. Not uh, not raise money uh, for fly data. Okay, okay. So, so, so it will be the Deca Lab uh, structure. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Because how will we buy? Uh, the other lesson is it's much easier to buy bigger companies than smaller companies. By the way, that's what I'm realizing. But I'm sure every private equity person over there is going, ha, ha, "That's obvious." But like I'm speaking experientially now as an operator. So right, right. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high-quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 9902163132. That is 9902163132. Well, uh, Raj, this has been great, and uh, I I wish you all the best, and I and I hope we'll keep talking because the interesting yeah. part of this is uh, not to do siloed discussions, but have a continuity in the discussion, right? So uh, yeah. I'm also trying to figure out how can we do it in a podcast? How can we see that we repeat the story and actually catch up, uh, you know, on a timeline basis? Uh, how yeah. how the things are progressing, right? I'm I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share, even you know, at my own expense you know hmm. sometimes it'll be embarrassing <laughs> like things won't work out but that's fine i'm happy to share anyway so right. l- like we just set this one up you uh, yeah. you know ping me anytime we'll just get on a call great great so thank you very much and i i look forward to talking to you again likewise we have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations including Rajiv Rajneshan Nathan founder of startup Hypeman Lazar Rosilan co-founder and CEO of Spoke and many more subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode thanks for listening thank you for being with us today and listening to this episode of SaaS stories this is where i speak with the dreamers and visionaries who dared to think ahead and built world class SaaS products We hope this conversation helped you with the insights that you can go and apply right now to your own SaaS journey. We hope to have you here with us again in the next episode of SaaS Stories. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform, and is a Bizcast original production. 